In our gospel reading this morning, this Easter, is from chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out, and they went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then those disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. So, One of my boys came home from school on the last day before we started all of this social distancing, before we canceled everything for the sake of this coronavirus pandemic. We weren't even calling it a pandemic yet at this point. And said that one of his teachers told his class that this would be something that they would all remember, that their generation would always keep this in mind, that every generation has something like it which, of course, sparked a conversation about some other historical events that are critical to the collective memory, critical to the collective identity of every generation. Give me a minute so I can uh, make another awkward transition here.
So thinking about these moments in time, these historical events that everyone in any given generation might remember, there are a few that stand out for me. One was the space shuttle Challenger exploding in the sky, January 1986. While it seemed everyone, especially a whole bunch of school children, were watching because there was a civilian school teacher on board. I was just coming back from lunch in the sixth grade Novi Middle School in Michigan, and one of my teachers, Mrs. Wainwright, had tears in her eyes as she corralled a handful of us into her classroom so that we could watch what was left of that aftermath on the news. Another life changer was the massacre at Columbine High School in April of 1999. It's hard to imagine now that there was a first time for something that is far so sadly and frighteningly commonplace these days. Of course, 9-11 was huge, just about two and a half years after Columbine. Krista and I had lived in Indiana for just over a month. Cross of Grace didn't exist yet, technically. The office, our headquarters, was in our guest room at the house, so I was working in my boxer shorts, kind of like I did every day last week. And I called Debbie Searfoss to ask her something trivial, I'm sure, about the bulletin for the coming Sunday. She told me I should stop working and worrying about the bulletin and go turn on the news. Most of us know the rest of that story. Before all that, my parents' generation remember always the assassination of John F. Kennedy in Dallas, November 1963. I grew up hearing that everyone remembers where they were when they heard that news. I think the same is true, or should be true, about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. outside the Lorraine Motel in Memphis on April 1968. My grandmother talked about the attack on Pearl Harbor in December of 1941 in the same kind of way. The wistful sense of nostalgia full of emotions and memories deep and overflowing with patriotism and pride and sadness and regret. So it's strange to be living in the midst of something like that or that has been likened to events like that, something a generation will remember for all kinds of reasons for missing a spring season of sports, for missing a final quarter of school, for missing proms perhaps, and graduation ceremonies maybe, for missing Easter worship and dinner with the family, for all that this isolation and social distancing means for us, and for missing the chance to be at the bedside of a loved one perhaps who's sick, if not dying from this disease, which seems like one of the most cruel pieces of all of this. And all of it, from the bombing of Pearl Harbor, to the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., to this year's COVID-19 pandemic, to the Spanish flu of 1918, all of it marks us and all of it motivates us with the fear of dying and with our need to keep death at bay. And we should do that 
don't get me wrong. God doesn't wish for us to live our lives as though we're on a kamikaze mission for Jesus, like we should just throw caution to the wind and let the chips and our own lives fall where they may. So we should keep our distance. We should wash our hands and we should wear our masks. We should do what the scientists suggest because they know more than most of us about why we should keep our germs to ourselves. But Easter's good news today and every day is a reminder that we don't need to do any of this just because we're afraid. Jesus showed up. Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and then raised again to show us that no matter how strange and how uncertain and how scary things get, death never has the last word. Even when it comes by way of an assassin or a terrorist or a military foe, death never gets the last word. Even when it comes by way of cancer or heart disease or COVID-19, death never gets the last word. Even when it comes to a police officer killed in the line of duty, like it did for Brianne Leith in Indianapolis this week, death never gets the last word word. Even when it comes by way of a car accident or an overdose or by suicide, death never gets the last word. It may change everything for some of us on this side of the grave. It may rearrange our lives. It may reorganize our priorities. It may hurt like hell and break our hearts into a million little pieces, and we may never be the same again because of it. But death never gets the last word. And the problem is, I think, we haven't really had a chance to say that to one another yet, where this virus is concerned, because we haven't been able to be together as we would like, and as we're used to, and as we expect, and as we deserve in times of struggle and suffering and sadness like this. That's what makes this viral pandemic and all this social distancing so strange and so new and so hard so much of the time. See, I think the thing about all those other historical, generational timestamps that make them so memorable, so connective, so transformative, was the unified response of the generation and of the people who experienced them together. Like I said, I remember being very carefully herded into a classroom with some friends when the space shuttle went down. I remember gathering in the grass on the lawn at seminary to talk about what was happening at Columbine High School with some friends. Krista and I went to a community prayer service at the Methodist Church in New Palestine on the night of 9-11. Everyone who lived through um, the assassination of John F. Kennedy remembers his funeral processional. We know about our nation's response and our shared sacrifice in the war after Pearl Harbor happened. But here we are, trapped in our homes, unto ourselves, separated from each other thanks to a virus. This small, microscopic, invisible threat, which is technically and potentially deadlier than any of those other events that stick into our collective historical memories. We can't gather, though, in mass for prayer vigils. 
We can't light candles at the spot of this tragedy. There are too many of them. We can't build a memorial to a germ, and that's hard. It might even be unfair. But I think we are right where we need to be this morning because we are very much right where the disciples and the first followers and friends of Jesus found themselves when death came calling way back when. They were hunkered down. They were locked behind the closed doors of their homes. They were not sure about what was coming or for whom next, and they were under the impression that death was winning. Winning, that is, until the mighty Mary Magdalene heard that one word, her own name, in the fullness of her despair and sadness and weeping. Mary. Mary. And she knew everything that we are called to remember. In that moment, Mary realized that what gets the last word because of the God we know in Jesus is love. Love gets the last word because God's love is as fierce as the grave. And grace gets the last word because we've seen God's glory. The glory is of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And mercy, mercy gets the last word because our God is so rich in mercy, even though we were dead through our sins, God's mercy makes us alive again in Jesus. And peace gets the last word. Blessed are the peacemakers. And forgiveness, forgiveness gets the last word. Forgiveness of sins proclaimed to all the nations. And hope, hope gets the last word because hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And really, finally, what gets the last word, who gets the last word in the face of whatever death threatens us is Jesus. Jesus Christ gets the last word and Jesus knows my name. And Jesus knows your name. Jesus, the Son of God, crucified, risen from the dead for the sake of the world. Amen. Alleluia. Happy Easter. Let's pray. Because of Easter's good news, we pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus. We pray for the sake of the world. We pray for all people according to their needs. God of all creation, your world grows and it changes, it evolves and it spins in spite of what we do or what we do not do to care for it. Move us to till and to keep. Move us to tend and to care for what belongs to you in the first place. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the nations, your people experience conflict in too many ways and in too many places. Do a work of justice for the sake of peace through leaders of every land. Inspire them to walk humbly and for the sake of mercy in all things for all people. Raise up new leaders who will do your will with courage, 
selflessness and joy in their serving. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of comfort, we have reason to celebrate today, but tears and struggle and sadness continue. Help us, even in our joy, to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, and to help those who are struggling in any way. Be with those now whose names we know and raise before you. And be too with all of those for whom no one prays, even today. Cure the sick, comfort the lonely, raise the dead, and give us words and wisdom enough to help you in that holy work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Healing God, continue to do your work through the hands of doctors and nurses, first responders, health givers, and hospital staff of every kind. Give them a great courage, counsel, might, and compassion enough to endure the crisis of this virus. Assure them of our gratitude for the faithful risks they take to love one another through their daily work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of the resurrection, we give you thanks for Mary Magdalene, for her boldness and bravery, for the faith that trumped her fear, for her openness to what you were up to, and for her willingness to receive and then to share it. Give each of us some measure of her kind of faith so that we might follow in her footsteps and in yours. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And God of new life, breathe into your people today a hope that is deeper and wider than all of our fears. Help us to trust that you are always and already ahead of us into a future of eternal life, thanks to an abiding love that knows our name. We pray all of this by your grace and for your glory, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.